0: Welcome to Dentist's Puns and Money. I'm your host, Sean Terrell, and my guest on today's show is Dr. Sean Whalen. Dr. Sean is a pediatric dentist and owner at Children's Dentistry in Westminster, Colorado. Dr. Sean, he's a busy guy. In addition to practice, he's helped develop and launch Smile, which is a xylitol toothpaste for kids, And Dr. Sean is also the Dental Director for Teledentistry.com, which provides virtual care for dental emergencies across the country. As a reminder, you can get all the information discussed in today's conversation by visiting our website, that's DentistExit.com, and from there, click on the Podcast tab. And if you are a dentist and you're interested in taking your first step to find the eventual exit from active practice and to financial independence, whether you're three months or 30 years away, let's have a conversation. You can schedule a discovery call with me by going to DentistExit.com and clicking on the Schedule Meeting tab that is in the top right corner of the main homepage. And with that introduction, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Sean Whalen. All right, Dr. Sean Whalen, welcome to Dentist's Puns and Money. I'm excited to hear your story and thank you for joining us.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Sean. I appreciate it.
0: So my favorite place to start is just uh, with some background for the audience, some context on your journey. Could you share a little bit about how you reached this current point of your career?
1: Yeah, I can do that. So I'm a a private practicing pediatric dentist in Westminster, Colorado. I also uh, am an adjunct faculty at the University of Iowa, and I'm a faculty at Denver Health here in Denver, Colorado. I originally wanted to be a pediatrician. Both my parents are physicians. And uh, I knew I was wanting to work with kids. And uh, I went and shadowed a, our town pediatrician when I was 19. I was a freshman in college. And really nice guy, great doctor. Um, but I knew really quick I didn't want to be a pediatrician when I followed him for half a morning because he didn't really do any procedures. You know, he, I think when you're young, you think pediatricians are putting a lot of stitches in and setting. Broken bones and doing all kinds of little procedures, but in reality, he did a lot of well checks, a lot of ear infections, a lot of things that I, you know, are strep throat things that I didn't, I wasn't that interested in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I came home and I was a little dejected. I'm like, man, that is just not what I thought. And my dad was like, well, have you ever thought about being a pediatric dentist? That's what my college roommate is. And his college roommate was a guy named Danny McTeague, and Danny McTeague was the head of pediatric dentistry at the time at Ohio State, and I'm. And uh, I'm in college in Dubuque, Iowa. And I'm like, dad, I don't want to be a pediatric dentist. And he's like, well, why don't you just go try it? So, or just go look at it. So uh, I drove out to Ohio state and I followed Denny around for a minute. I mean, for a a morning, Um, I ended up staying a couple of days, but two or three days. I don't remember, but I knew immediately that's what I wanted to do. It was quick, little short procedures, working with kids. And so anyway, I mean, long story short, that's why I went to dental school. Um, and I knew from the day I entered dental school that that's what I wanted to do. And I got into the pediatric dental residency program at Iowa, um, between my junior and senior year and finished residency and the same guy, Danny McTeague, he knew I wanted to move to Colorado and his good friend, Betty Barr, who was a pediatric dentist of the practice I now own. He's like, you got to talk to Betty. So I drove out here. I finished clinic one night. I drove out here through the night. And I cold called, much like any Iowa kid would do, I always assumed just walking in and my smile and my demeanor would give me the job. I cold called like 10 different pediatric dentists in the Denver metro area. And most importantly, I cold called Betty and her sister, Nell, who I still practice with. And Denny was friends with them. And I had multiple interviews with them. They offered me the job. I didn't even ask how much they were going to pay me. And six months later, you know, when I graduated, I took the job six months into that, I bought a third of the practice and now I own half of it. And that's, I mean, that's just what happened. It was, I've been really blessed with good mentors in high school, college, dental school, and just always had good people around me. And it just kind of funneled me to this, this practice, this place where I've been really fortunate to, to grow. I feel like do good work, make lots of mistakes, but learn from them and, uh, yeah, that's my story. I mean, I I feel like I'm incredibly lucky. I got I had a lot of good people around me kind of pushing me in the right direction. So, that's how I ended up where I'm at.
0: Two follow-ups to that. So, was it the hands-on aspect of, of the pediatric dentistry that that sort of pulled you in more than uh, being a pediatrician?
1: 100%. And I have nothing against pediatricians. It's just my personality. I've always been kind of a tinkerer, like woodworking, that kind of thing. So, I'm always building, taking apart stuff and Uh, I think pediatric dentistry is good for that. If you really like kids, you have probably have a little bit of ADHD. You like to build things, work with things. you like immediate results, um, where you can sit down, numb a tooth, fix it. and It looks perfect or brand new, almost immediately. It's gratifying. And it's, um, I think for my personality, it just fits. It's nothing again. It's nothing against pediatricians. They're amazing. And they have a really important job. Um, I just think the, the pace of it and the moving around all the time and the fixing things, and it, it has always fit my personality.
0: It's interesting you say that because I'm a parent of a young son. We got another one on the way. And our pediatrician is married to our pediatric dentist, their husband and wife, both Iowa people as well. But it's interesting talking about pediatrics is that I learned just through taking my son in there was just answering our questions, just a lot of consultation yeah. for, you know, especially as someone who is a parent for the first time, just you have so many questions. So I could see how for someone that is more hands-on, as you say, that, that you are and more drawn to that, how the dentistry would be a little bit better fit for you. And then uh, my second follow-up there was, I don't know if you mentioned it, but how long have you been in Colorado at your current practice? I know you said you pretty much went there out of dental school and you've evolved into ownership. How long has that journey been for you?
1: 17 years. So I, I graduated on a Friday. I started working on a Monday. <laughs> and I took the job March of 2004. So I had a year and three months to get ready. So I was ready to go, and you know, again, typical Midwestern kid. Like I just wanted to get to work, and I, I had three hundred dollars in my pocket, an old Ford Ranger, a mattress, and a wife. And Nell and Betty paid my first. The two dentists I was joining paid my first month's rent, and I don't know. I was never worried about it. It was just kind of what it was, and I had my student loan, and I don't know. Drove out and moved into our apartment with a bed and a bunch of suitcases and started working on a Monday.
0: It it sounds like Colorado has become home for you, even though the pull of of Iowa is still strong in some ways.
1: It it is home. I will say as I get older, I mean, I'm not, not that I second guess my decision. I love being here. I love the community I'm involved in. I love the patients. I certainly love the weather and the lifestyle, but I, I do. I mean, I am definitely torn. Like I, there's a lot of things about the Midwest. I miss, uh, I miss the Hawkeyes so much. I miss the university so much. I miss my family. I miss my cousins. I miss the slower pace of it. And not that it's slow, but it's, people are not as much of in a hurry as they are out here. Um, I'm really honored to be born and raised there. So I, I do miss it. And there are definitely times where I'm like, well, maybe I will move back to Iowa city, you know, but, uh, I don't know the reality of that. I think when you move out to Colorado or anywhere west, the weather gets a little better and it's hard to go backwards. Um, but I do miss it. I don't have anything negative to say about it. That's for sure.
0: And you're an adjunct at the University of Iowa at the College of Dentistry still. So that provides you a good excuse to get back, uh, at least on a, on a part-time basis once in a while.
1: Yeah. And not as much as I like. I haven't been back since, the, since coronavirus started. And that's when I was kind of just ramping it up. But I hope to re-engage that and, and, and get back. I, I always say that I'd be nothing without the university, and I, I felt like I had a really good experience. And I had some of the best uh, mentors, uh, instructors, and just my dental school and residency experience was was great. And um, I know it's stressful for some, and I, I just I thought it was great. I have nothing bad to say about that either. So
0: owning a pediatric dental practice and, and seeing kids, that, that in itself would, would keep you pretty busy, I would think. But you're involved in a couple other ventures, uh, dental-related, outside of your practice. Uh, let's start with the company you founded a couple of years ago called Smile Oral Healthcare Products. Uh, maybe just for background, what is Smile and, and what's the, the mission or the vision behind the company?
1: So Smile, which is it's spelled S-M-I-Y-L. So, S-M-I-Y-L dot com. So, there was a kid in my residency program, Todd Gray, that was a year older than me. And we've stayed really close over the years. And he's also a pediatric dentist. And he came up with this idea to create a a pediatric xylitol tooth gel. Um, And he kind of had been spinning his wheels with it. And we went to a UFC fight in California together. Cause we had a friend that was the California boxing commissioner. So we got us really good st- seats at the Staples center to see the TJ Dillashaw Cody Garbrandt fight, which is like five years ago or something. And we had some drinks afterwards and he was like, you know, I, I want to get, I want to move on this. And I'm like, well, I'm not great at a lot of things, but I'm good at getting things moving. So I'm like, well, let's, let's partner up and we'll figure it out. And he kind of had the formula for it. Um, I had all the branding done and the logo and the, the website and everything. And the, the whole idea behind it was, well, let's create a line of products that are created by a pediatric dentist. Um, and so as of right now, we have bamboo toothbrushes, floss, and we have xylitol tooth gel, which is, uh, it's, it's fluoride free, but that's not the, that's not the mission of the company. We don't have a fluoride free company. We don't support that. But initially it was kind of the easiest skew to start um, and because we're both pediatric dentists, it was a good training toothpaste to start. Um, and we're going to come out with a fluoride paste. And um, But the mission was, I hate saying it like this because it sounds so off the cuff, but it was never to like do anything specific other than create a good product with a cute logo, cute branding, and then have it be backed by pediatric dentists and maybe take a piece of that market or just be more in control. It kind of closes the loop, I guess. Um, But it was never to I mean, we didn't do it to get rich or anything. It was just kind of on a whim.
0: To provide a better product in the marketplace that it then existed, at least in your guys' awareness of what was out there.
1: Yeah. Well, and and create something that was safe and um, create something that better is tough because there's a lot of products out there. You go into the toothpaste aisle at Target and you're overwhelmed. So I would never say better, but um, an alternative to something made by a big company. How about that? And we produce everything in the United States. Um, So yeah, the goal was to to create an oral healthcare company of products that we came up with. We decided on the SKUs and we pushed the, you know, we were pushing or driving the market, I guess. Um, So right now I currently sell it in my office. We sell it on our website. It's on Walmart's website. And then it's on toothbrush hub.com, which is, um, was started by two brothers here in Colorado and they, uh, they've been great partners. So they have a toothbrush toothpaste subscription site. Um, and we've probably do most of our sales through that venue and our website. But if anybody out there who's listening wants samples of it for their office, they can always contact me. And my email is really easy. It's just my name, Sean Whalen, DDS at Gmail. But, um, I don't know. It's one of those things. that has been fun. I learned a lot. It's more expensive to bring a product to market than I would have thought. Um, and there's lots of things you don't think about like insurance and distribution and fulfillment. And um, I don't know, there's lots of things that go into it, but it's been fun creating a product and we'll see where it goes. I have no idea. I mean, right now it sustains itself, which was, is important. Um, so we've had some success. Our next step is just finishing our fluoride paste. Um, which just takes time. And like you said, it's hard to run a practice and do all that at the same time.
0: How difficult was it to bring it to market or maybe how hard was it relative to how hard you thought it was going to be on the front end? I mean, I knew being a doctor, you know, that's not going to be easy because there's hoops to jump through with, you know, getting it cleared for consumer use, but um, uh, maybe just a, a brief snapshot onto what that process was like.
1: No, first of all, I'm not a doctor. I'm only a dentist. So.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I, a doctor I'm, of dental surgery is what I meant to say. Yeah,
1: yeah I mean, and I'm, stu- I'm, I'm, I'm stupid, right? Most professionals think everything is going to be easy. Um, so yeah, I thought it was going to be a lot easier than it was. But then come to find out, you got to find a facility that has got all the uh, approvals for things that are consumable, and you got to have the right barcode, and you got to have the right packaging, you got to have the right circumference on the lumen where you express it. Um, like there were so many things like the texture of the bottle, um, they printed 10,000 tubes wrong. Our first run of toothpaste, we spelled no, we spelled fluoride wrong on the front of the tube. Um, I mean, there's so many little things to catch, uh, distribution, fulfillment, shipping costs, uh, platforms to get it on there's so much that we screwed up and like we had to fly out to the facility. We have it made in a, um, right out of sight in Salt Lake City in uh, Jordan, Utah by a company called Wasatch. And a lot of medical liquids and gels are made in Salt Lake City surrounding area, which is kind of interesting. But yeah, I mean, I, if I were to look back on it now and like learning how to design a website, um, the logo, the different kind of files you need for the pictures, like it's much like you starting your podcast. You're like, I'm going to start this podcast. And then you're like, well, the details, the details, the details yeah.
0: just eat you alive, right?
1: <laughs> Details tells eat, eat you alive. And then, you know, if you don't stay on it and then there's no traction being made and then you're not selling anything and you got this money out. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I learned a lot. It's, it's way, and it was way more of a bigger deal than I thought. I feel like we're in a good place now because everything's in place. Now it's more like making higher level decisions as far as like, once you get all this stuff in place, it's pretty easy. But up until that point, it was a little more difficult. And there was definitely some pushback from the dental community, Um, Hmm. it thought we were like all about no fluoride. And I'm like, that's not the case. Like the truth of the matter matter is making a non-fluoridated toothpaste with just xylitol in it is pretty easy. But the minute you put fluoride in something, you have to do like $60,000 worth of testing. So we were like, well, let's just start with this. Um, and you know, our mission is to have a whole slew of products, but it's just, you have to start somewhere. And Dentists can be really finicky and kind of mean that, like, you know, you'd think they'd be kind of your cheerleader, like, Oh, there, there's someone making something that's not produced by Procter and Gamble or Colgate Palmolive. So good for you. But the truth is most dentists were like, you know, F you, <laughs> what do you do? You know, they, they just want to, it's almost like they want to eat their, eat their young, I guess, or, you know, so I, I, that was kind of eye opening, but in, in large, people have been pretty supportive and, um, I don't know it's been a lot of fun I certainly have got my butt kicked on a, a number of different things on it and things didn't move nearly as fast as I wanted them to um, but it's it's been a good experience I wouldn't change it
0: how difficult is it and this is coming from someone that has a four year old just the paw patrol marketing machine in full force at our house every day I yeah. you know they have paw patrol toothbrushes and toothpaste um, mm-hmm. versus you know something that you're bringing to market which is you know the ingredients, or something that you know a little bit more about, but there's no Rocky or Chase on the cover. How do you? How do you? What's that been like?
1: Um, I don't know. Our marketing. The so we did a bunch of focus groups with uh, parents and kids and stuff. And did you see the the tubes? Did you look them up? Yeah, I glanced at them. Yeah, I think was there a yeah. panda on there? I'm I. Yeah. Sorry so for. We, we had a frog, a panda. So this is what it looks like. But we had a frog, a panda, um, an octopus. I can't remember what we did a bunch of them and this is one that tested the best. So we're never going to beat up Paw Patrol and Batman and Spider-Man and stuff like that. And we certainly don't have enough money to license those kind of things. But um, I think our marketing is, is good. I think the logo is really good. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds silly to say that, but the logo, just the smile itself is really good. Um, so th- that has been a challenge, but kids do respond pretty well to it. So it hasn't been, hasn't been terrible.
0: I like the logo as someone who has spent more time on logos and marketing than I ever intended spending on uh, that type of stuff. I've, I think it works really well. Shifting gears, you're involved with uh, another dental related company, teledentistry.com. Can you uh, share a little bit more about that venture and kind of the, the mission or the, the purpose yeah. behind that?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm the dental director for teledentistry.com, and it was started by uh, Dr. Vila Sastry who was a dentist in, um, Nevada, really good friends. So coincidentally really good friends with the same guy that I started smile with Todd Gray and Todd had become a part of the company and kind of been asking me if I wanted to be a part of it. And I was like, no man, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. And then COVID happened. And once COVID happened, you know, like, especially in States like New York and wherever, um, that were highly populated and there was a lot of virus like people were having toothaches and they needed antibiotics and pain relief right away so it created this little window of explosion where there was a little bit more revenue in the company and they were able to kind of build out the platform and work out the bugs cuz telehealth the biggest issue with it is the platform and how responsive it is and how much of a service can you really deliver and that allowed the company to to go through some growing pains of like okay How how are we going to interface with the patient? How are we going to get providers to answer these calls? And so I started taking calls. And during the time of COVID, when it was peaking, I mean, I think I took over a thousand of them. And um, so I I came on the company. I became the dental director. I took calls. I helped work out bugs in the system. Um, But as you know, before we started recording, I kind of talked to you about how I, I think it's, I think telehealth is really a big part of the future of medicine it's, there's definitely some pushback from the dental side. that are like, well, how can you do anything over the phone or over video chat for teeth? And as I was explaining, you know, the goal of it is to triage patients and get them directed to the right places and connect them with a the provider if they don't have one and make that process more efficient. And especially if they're in pain, get them pain meds or antibiotics as quickly as possible. And to clarify, we don't do any narcotics. We, everything is a non-narcotics. So we only, um, we only do things that are, you know, we, we're not handing out drugs, or so there's no drug seekers or any of that kind of thing. Um, but we do what the service we do provide is that, and it's a the platform itself is free. So if you were a dental office and you were like, man, I, I don't want to take all the calls, I understand that I'm going to have to come in occasionally, but I don't want to take all the emergency calls over the weekend. If you signed up for the service, we would have a licensed dentist in the state that you're in you would divert the calls to them and it's kind of like Uber, like a queue system. So it would be more than just one dentist. It would probably be, you know, let's say there are v 10 in the state of Colorado. And when a call came in, they would get queued on their phone. And if they want to answer it, they can. And then it comes up on the platform and you're immediately, they send, we send our call center sends them a link, you hit it and you're immediately, immediately video chatting with the patient. You have access to the health history that they entered um, their chief complaint. You talk to them, decide whether or not a prescription is necessary. And we have a cue that you just hit which prescription they need and it immediately calls it into the pharmacy. You don't have to call, hang up and call the pharmacy as a providing dentist. So it's really just trying to condense or make that whole process a lot faster, especially if they don't have a provider and they have a dental emergency. So it, it works really well. We've got a lot of the bugs figured out and I think it will be more utilized in the future. And as of right now, um, contractually, I want to say that we have over 50 million lives covered, but the utilization rate is still really low. But, you know, I I do think moving forward, it'll be a really good tool uh, for offices and and patients. Um, And I think as a profession, we're going to figure out how to utilize it better. And as I was telling you before, there's lots of times when patients have an emergency and if you, if like someone calls me on a video chat and they have an asymmetric face and I can see it through a video chat, I mean, a the person needs antibiotics, b they may need, might need might need to go to the emergency room or they need to see somebody immediately. So, there it's very useful and it it helps cut the diagnosis time down to almost nothing. And one thing dentistry has been really good at is we don't have five six hour wait times. Like if you go to the emergency room for an abscess in your leg, you might sit in the emergency room for five hours. Traditionally, dentists don't do that. We're very good about, hey, just come in, I'll, I'll see you, we'll get it figured out. This shortens the time even more because it kind of gets to the root of the problem and gets them appointed, especially if they don't have a provider. So the, the, the closed loop system long-term would be if someone calls in with a dental emergency, they don't have a provider, we get them triaged immediately with meds if, if necessary, and then we get them appointed to a provider that's already agreed to, to take any leads that we give them and see them immediately.
0: Okay. So just maybe to follow up with a couple of practical examples, just to maybe drill down a little bit more on how it works. So for patients who have a dentist, their dentist can be part of this network for any off-hour calls that pop up, whether that's on a a weeknight or early in the morning or over the weekend and they're at the lake. And so the, the dentist, the general dentist, as an example, can decide when the call comes in, if they want to talk to the patient or if they want to Push it, you know, push it, kick it, punt it to uh, another dentist on call that's standing by to triage immediately.
1: Yeah. So, it, and it could even be during the day. So, say that I have a packed schedule. and I do not have time to talk to mm. any patients the rest of the day. It's, it's, it's useful for that as well. So, people, offices use it for during the day as well. Um, that way, if a patient calls in, it's not like, hey, Dr. Sean's going to call you back in two hours when he does unseen patients. You can talk to somebody right now to answer your questions or at least help answer your questions.
0: And then sort of yeah. my follow-up to that is, so let's say the patient does talk to their their regular, their normal dentist. It's on a Saturday afternoon. They're not at the lake, whatever example you want to use. And yeah. they're, they, they're willing and able to see the patient and the patient needs to be seen right then. So they can set that up through teledentistry too, or they if the dentist has the option if they're not around or not able to treat it right then to send it to an emergency dentist that can.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're, that, that part of it, we don't have completely worked out yet. And as we, our network of providers grows, I, that is the ultimate goal to be able to push leads to people that will see them immediately. Okay. And the nightmare situation is so your son falls and breaks his tooth in half as a nerve is exposed and you call teledentistry.com because you don't have a provider and you're like, Hey, I want to talk to a dentist. You talk, you're on the phone with a dentist within five minutes. You, you put your son in front of the camera and you, I can I say on the dentist answering I can see that the tooth's broken in half. And I'm like, yeah, you need to see somebody. From the moment I say he needs to see somebody right away, the biggest challenge we're going to have is, is marrying that to a provider that will see them immediately. Mm. So we have to have an end physical location that they can see immediately, which we've done, we haven't perfected yet. But we're, as, a tech, as the idea of telehealth and dentistry progresses, we will get to that point. We just need more offices to ad- adopt it. And that's why we give the platform away for free. Because, it, I, you know, like like a per cap plan, our cap plan insurance, we don't want to charge you for the service. We only want, the only thing that ever gets charged is if the patient utilizes the service and then it bills their insurance or they pay a $50 copay for utilizing the service and that's it.
0: And so... You said it, I think, but I'll reiterate it. The, the service is free to dentists that want to sign up for it. What is the yeah. cost or what is uh, what are the hoops that the patient has to jump through to use teledentistry.com?
1: So all they all they all they would do is whether they go on our website or they go on their dentist website, they click on the teledentistry button, fill out their information like name, date of birth, allergies, that kind of thing, chief complaint. And then it immediately pops to the call center. The call center sends them a text. or finds a dentist, just like you would for Uber or whatever. A dentist says, yes, I'll take a call. Then they both get meeting links, kind of like you sent me today. They click on it, and then they're, they're talking right away on the platform.
0: Okay. Interesting. What are, so you said no narcotics, but they can do antibiotics and other medications through that process?
1: Yeah. So you can do like, you can do, uh, high dose ibuprofen, ibuprofen, or, you know, dual, dual action Advil. You can do Toradol, um, any antibiotic, um, chlorhexidine, whatever. I mean, there's a million different things you can prescribe, but we don't do any narcotics.
0: And that alleviates the old school way of doing it, which was a patient calls in, gets a voicemail and a number to call, depending on how well, the dentist has set themselves up to take calls off hours. Best case scenario is the dentist calls them back. He can't see them. And then what happened in that scenario in the past? The dentist is calling uh, buddies in the area that may or may not be around
1: to treat a patient. The biggest gap that it fills is if you take someone who say has Delta dental. So like in the state of Colorado, for example, like there are pl- dental plans, let's say a Delta or a Signal or whatever, let's say well, let's just go to let's go to Iowa. It'll be easier. Like John Deere. Let's say that John Deere gives their employees Delta Dental, but their utilization rate of their benefit is only 60%. So you have 40% of people who have Delta Dental, but they don't have a dentist. Hmm. So this is where the service really works because it addresses their emergent issue and it finds them a provider that will take them or see them. So it's not, it's not so much for The person who already has a dentist, although if their dentist needs to utilize it to make sure someone's always covering call, it works great for that. Um, But for someone who does not have a dentist, because in the past, if you would call someone's after hour service, if you weren't a patient of record, a lot of times they'd tell you to go jump. You know what I mean? They're not going (laughs) to take the call. So this provides an avenue where someone, regardless of means, can call and talk to a dentist and get at least pharmacological you know, help immediately and hopefully get hooked up with a provider in their area that they can start to establish a relationship with or have a dental home.
0: And you mentioned offline, I think too, and I don't know if we covered it when we were recording, but this is not just for emergencies. It's also for situations where a patient has some questions that go a little bit deeper than what a a dentist is normally going to have time to cover during a normal hygiene check.
1: Yeah, well, and the dentist, you know, depending on the dentist, they might have time, or if it's just something like they're in between hygiene checks or regular checkups, and they're like, "I have a question about orthodontics. I was looking at Time Magazine. I saw that Tom Cruise had braces, and he was 45, and I'm 45, and I've never liked my teeth. Is it worth me getting braces? How much is it going to cost? What's the average time? Do I need to get my wisdom teeth out? I mean, there's it also allows you direct access to a licensed dentist to get direct advice from someone who actually practices dentistry at an extremely low cost.
0: This is all very interesting stuff. Anything that we haven't hit on, uh, in the conversation today that, uh, you'd like to mention, or you'd like to follow up on something we didn't dive deep enough on previously?
1: Um, no, I mean, I just like to say thanks for having me on. And I, I always joke around and say that nobody, likes being a pediatric dentist more than me and uh, to all the dental students listening to it. I, I think it's one of the best jobs in the world. And you just get a, a, a crazy amount of opportunities. I've been a lobbyist. I've testified in malpractice cases. I've, I have the toothpaste company, the teledentistry thing. I get to teach. I own a private practice. You just get to meet and do a lot of cool things. It's a, it's a cool profession. Um, and it just opens up a lot of doors for you. So I, I mean, I think it's much like anything else you work hard at. It creates a lot of opportunities. So I, 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 I don't know. I, I love being a dentist. It's great.
0: Do you love good dental jokes or bad dental jokes? However you want to phrase it. This, this yeah, show no, is uh, dentist puns and money after all. So. Yeah, no,
1: you, you mentioned that. I, I, my, I probably have more of an antidote or, or just a, a story more than anything, but you sure. um, you know, as as parents, so you, how old are your kids?
0: So I've got a four year old and one on the way. We record this in the spring of 2022. I've got another uh, boy on the way for July this summer. Okay, so
1: you're 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 an older dad yep. by definition, right? So <laughs> thank you. Yeah, no, 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 big deal. Um, I always joke with the the younger dental students, and I'm like, you know, if you see on your new patient intake form that you got a two year old coming in, the parents are over the age of 40. Run or refer them out because they've read and know everything on the internet <laughs> and your your sweet spot is the the twenty five year old with two kids who's hanging on to life by a thread and they're so busy and you know they just trust you and there's no bigger pain in the ass than the forty plus year old parent with a two or a three year old so no offense it's just a, just a just an observation but <laughs>
0: My dentist friends that are listening can maybe relate to that. Maybe I ask too many questions.
1: I try to trust experts though, because yeah, no, you
0: know, I try to provide expertise in my day job, which is not being a podcaster. So, uh, yeah, I, I like working with people that you know are curious, but at the end of the day, are going to trust you to do your job. So,
1: yeah, I mean, because you do finance, correct? Correct. Yeah, so it's kind of like someone like, well, my friend bought you know Chevron at blah blah blah, and you're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, it's the same thing with dentistry. You're just like, they'll, they'll say something and you're like, well, let me think about that. And I'm like, so I've been in dentistry since 1999. Um, no, I think that's a terrible idea. And so it's just, it's a difficult. Stay thing. in your lane. Yeah. Older parents are really tough. I always tell them, let me be the dentist, you be the parent. Um, but it is, it is a great uh, job and, uh, I certainly love doing it. And I appreciate the, the chance to be on your show.
0: For people that uh, are interested in getting in touch with you or that uh, would like to ask you a couple questions offline, what's the best way to to get in touch?
1: So anybody can email me anytime. My uh, email is my name, Sean Whalen, S-E-A-N-W-H-A-L-E-N-D-D-S at gmail.com. Or you can call me. My phone number is 720-226-6061. And then can reach out to me on social media as well. My Instagram is at Children's Dentistry, Colorado, at Children's Dentistry, Colorado.
0: That is Dr. Sean Whalen, owner and pediatric dentist at Children's Dentistry in Westminster, Colorado. Dr. Sean, thank you for sharing your expertise and for being a guest on Dentist's Puns and Money.
1: Oh, thanks a lot, Sean. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to Dentist's Puns and Money. For more information about my day job, which is guiding dentists to their financial off-ramp from active practice, you can visit DentistExit.com. And there, you can find more information about us, sign up for our email newsletter, or schedule a discovery call with Sean. That's me. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, and also please share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. As for the boring legal stuff... Dentist Exit Planning and Terrell Advisors, LLC is a registered investment advisor. The information presented should not be interpreted or construed as investment, legal, tax, financial planning, or wealth management advice. It does not substitute for personalized investment or financial planning from Dentist Exit Planning or Terrell Advisors, LLC. This podcast conveys the views and opinions of Sean Terrell and the information herein should not be considered a solicitation to engage in a particular investment or financial planning strategy. Information presented is for educational purposes only and past performance is not indicative of future results.